The following episode contains scenes some listeners may find upsetting. This is a personal and private recording by a member of the U.S. Air Force. Codename, Project Blue Book. Case file, 11004. Designated, Stonefall. January 10th. The sheriff came to the bar bright and early this morning. The barman told me that he was waiting for me. I wondered whether he knew I'd been searching in his office last night and steeled myself for a confrontation. But I had plenty of stuff I wanted to ask him if he was going to start questioning me. He greeted me with a smile when I arrived downstairs, but said nothing. Instead, he handed me an envelope. It was addressed to me, and it had the word Fallbrook written at the top. I met the sheriff's eyes. He had a sad smile on his face. Like we'd reached the day he was hoping wasn't going to come. That he might have to start explaining things to the outsider he was hoping wouldn't get too close. I felt inside the envelope and knew immediately what it contained. I looked at the handwriting again, but didn't recognize it. Was it from the woman who'd confronted me last night? I said that maybe we should go back to the sheriff's office and open it. That he said I could open it on the way. Because in the early hours of the morning, they'd found Peter's body. He'd been in the river, a little way up from Stonefall. Maybe he'd been looking for his kids. Maybe he was feeling guilty about the fire that nearly killed Elias Brazel. That the pretty much unanimous judgment was that he'd been drunk and slipped in. He had a head injury too, caused presumably by one of the rocks in the river. I wondered why the sheriff felt it was necessary for me to go and see the site. But I went with it, and on the way, I opened the envelope. Inside it was a part of a broken mirror. It was from the one that had been found in the woods and taken to New Haven as evidence, which had gone missing before my visit there. It didn't have a hole punched into it like the full mirror that I'd found. The sheriff explained to me that he'd found the envelope outside the station that morning. Why would someone return the mirror now, to me and not to New Haven? Why reference Fallbrook? It might be a way to get me thrown out of Stonefall, and I have my suspicions on who might be keen to see me gone. I didn't ask the sheriff the significance of Fallbrook, and he didn't ask if I knew what it meant. But when we arrived at the point of the river where Peter had been found, I realized why he'd taken me here. In the tree, closest to the river, there was a name, sloppily etched into the wood. It said Martha. The sheriff spent a large portion of the morning with Grace. But I couldn't face it. I had no news to give her on the whereabouts of her kids. I took a walk through the town. 
past the worn-down statue in the square that wasn't a square, and to the spot where the sheriff saw and attacked a strange man in military uniform many years ago. I realized there was someone else approaching me. It was Louise Finch. I smiled at her, and she smiled back. We both turned to face the statue, and she asked if I knew what it was. I told her I'd been trying to work it out, and she smiled again. Some people believe it's what brings them here, she said. I asked who they were, although I knew exactly what the answer was going to be. She said there was a theory that, a very long time ago, extraterrestrials had visited this part of the Earth, and they'd left something here, something precious, maybe something they worshipped. This theory said that, occasionally, the extraterrestrials would come back to make sure it was still here. She then laughed and said that was probably a ridiculous story. <laughs> but there was no date on the statue, no signature etched into it. There never had been. Maybe it had been left here. She asked me how the man from Massachusetts was doing. And I said I hadn't heard anything recently, but that I assumed he was doing well. Though I did privately wonder whether the sheriff would tell me, even if he wasn't. Louise said she felt sorry for Peter. He'd been through such a hardship. She wished she remembered more about the night his kids disappeared. There was a great sadness in her eyes when she looked at me and said that she felt she had been Johnny and Martha's best hope. I told her I'd thought the same, and we fell to silence. When the sheriff returned from Grace's house, I met with him in his office. We talked about the mirror and the feasibility of mounting another search. I wondered why Peter had only written Martha's name in the tree before his death. Had he planned to write Johnny's name, only to be confronted and struck on the head? Had he lost his balance, slipped and fell? Or was Johnny too much of a pain in the ass and secretly he only liked Martha anyway? I think now I have my answer. Although I have many, many more questions. Throughout my conversation with the sheriff, I could tell both of us were nervous. Neither of us wanted to ask the questions we had for each other, and Fallbrook sat ominously on our tongues, waiting to be spoken. It was after a long silence that he finally decided to speak. We don't ever speak about what happened in Stonefall, he said, but in some way, we're speaking it all the time. I asked him what he meant. He said that in 1934, something terrible had happened. It had led to a lot of unhappiness and disquiet in the town. A lot of blame was passed around, although he ultimately believed that it had settled in the right place. To remind the people of Fallbrook about the event, to make sure that it never happened again, they changed their name to Stonefall. I was so 
frustrated with him. How coy he was still being, how dramatic. Something terrible had happened and it had been silenced for the most part and turned into a story. I looked at him. But what does Stonefall mean? He explained that there had been two classes in Falbrook's school. There used to be a lot of kids in the town. He half joked that people had used to say there wasn't a lot to do, so they drank and they had babies. Generations of people had lived in Fallbrook and never left. But one day, one of the school buildings collapsed. The sheriff explained that by the slope of the woods that led up from the square, there used to be a lot of rocks. There'd been a tremor, and the rocks had crushed the building. Many had made it out. Many hadn't. A lot of people left the town, but some stayed behind. Those that did were in shock and desperate to keep it a secret. They always kept themselves to themselves anyway, so why should anyone else care? People from New Haven had come to help with the rescue, and the injured were taken to hospitals there. The story wasn't isolated to Fallbrook, but it had never really hit the headlines or gone too far out of New Haven. So the people on the council decided that the town should be called Stonefall to ensure they never forgot. The story was a lot more harrowing than I had expected it to be. I'd taken Stonefall's secrecy to be a sign of guilt, but instead they were ashamed. I wanted to know where this blame had fallen. If this was just a terrible accident of nature, how could there be a correct party to blame? It occurred to me that the sheriff may still be admitting some things, still protecting his town. One day I might get a chance to ask him. But I couldn't probe him any further because, as his story finished, one of his deputies burst into the room. Night had fallen outside, and it was raining hard. We rushed out to the crowd of people that was gathering in the square. The sheriff shouted at people to move aside, and I followed him, desperately trying to see. The noise of the crowd, of the rain, was blocking out the sound of Grace's crying. She was cradling her daughter. Because Martha Lewis has returned. Stonefall was created and written by James Mortimer, read by Rebecca Malewish. Music by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons.